Hello and welcome to this podcast from Herbert Smith Freehills. I'm Andrew Lidbetter, a partner in our public law team in the London office. I'm joined today by Nusrat Zah, another public law partner, and we're very pleased to have with us Vikram Sachdeva, QC of 39 Essex. We're particularly pleased to have Vikram with us today because he is the chair of the Administrative Law Bar Association and was also a member of the government's panel on the independent review of administrative law. We'll be discussing today our thoughts on the government's recent consultation on judicial review, in particular from our combined experience of judicial review across many sectors. You might recall that the government launched the independent review of administrative law in July last year to consider options for reform to judicial review. The review submitted its report to the government in January of this year and made a limited number of recommendations for reform. The government subsequently commenced a consultation which it said was intended to complement the analysis in the report. That consultation closed at the end of April and we're now awaiting the government's proposals in relation to next steps. Although we can expect draft legislation soon, because in the recent Queen's speech, there was a reference to a judicial review bill. Vikram, can you remind us of the independent review's remit and its main recommendations for changes to the substantive law? Andrew, yes. The independent review was set up with a wide-ranging remit to investigate whether judicial review decisions had strayed from law into politics as various media commentators and indeed politicians had alleged, and if so, uh, to suggest solutions. And the review found generally that apart from a few isolated cases on which differing views could reasonably be taken, there was no general problem of judges routinely straying into politics. So accordingly, there was no general problem to solve. The review did suggest two specific reforms which are not linked to politics, And they are, firstly, reversing the decision of the Supreme Court in CART. And that decision had held that uh, claimants could judicially review the upper tribunal, despite it being a superior court of record. And uh, the panel found the success rate of such judicial reviews to be extremely low. And there was a concern about potential wastage of judicial resources. However, I should say that now the statistics used by the panel have been questioned and it's unclear whether the panel's figures were in fact correct. The second specific reform suggested was introducing the discretion to suspend a quashing order, giving a public authority time to remedy the legal error found before the decision is deprived of any legal effect. I should just run through few other points that the panel found. First of all, that general codification was an option, but the advantages of that were unclear. And that Parliament could set out to specify the grounds for judicial review, but we didn't recommend that course. Parliament could not exclude judicial review generally, because it would be contrary to the rule of law, but it could oust or limit the jurisdiction of the court's in particular circumstances, if there were proved to be sufficient justification for doing so, but there was a very heavy health warning in that, uh, the government would have to confront hostility from the courts. And 
careful parliamentary scrutiny and rule of law arguments. So there was a degree of caution urged by the panel in relation to ouster clauses. Um, there was also uh, a recommendation in relation to procedure and abolishing the requirement of promptitude, which I think we'll go into. But basically, those were the recommendations. Thank you, Vikram. Two of the topics of the consultation were how best to achieve the independent review's aims of its proposals in relation to CART judicial reviews um, and also suspended quashing orders. Uh, Nusrath, can you uh, summarise uh, our views on that question? Yes. Uh, our views on this topic were included in uh, our response to the consultation. And what we did there was to explain that any jurisdiction for suspended quashing orders should be carefully developed through principles developed by the judiciary and that they should be exceptional in nature rather than being or becoming a norm. As regards CART judicial reviews, we noted that the original basis of these was that the Supreme Court concluded that there was a real risk of the upper tribunal becoming in reality the final arbiter of the law, which the Supreme Court considered was not what Parliament had provided. Serious questions of law might therefore never be channeled into the legal system, and there would be the possibility that serious errors of law affecting large numbers of people would go uncorrected. The consultation identified certain other topics uh, with a view to seeing whether practical measures could address some of the issues identified by the independent review. Uh, Vikram, what are your thoughts on the other areas identified by the government, uh, such as legislating to clarify the effect of statutory ouster clauses? Andrew, in common with the uh, uh, review panel's conclusions, um, I do not consider it either necessary or advisable to impose statutory ouster clauses or indeed to legislate to force certain principles of interpretation on the courts. They are well capable of interpreting statutes, including purported ouster clauses, without assistance from Parliament. There were other suggestions made by the government which went beyond or significantly beyond the independent review's recommendations, such as uh, a mandatory duty subject to exceptional circumstances of remedies being prospective only, which is quite a dramatic idea that where there is uh, illegality proved, the claimant can only uh, obtain a, a remedy that works from the date of the judgment onwards. And uh, it won't surprise you that I stand by the independent reviews recommendations, which excluded any further uh, reforms beyond what was recommended. HSF's response to the consultation also didn't support the exclusion of judicial review via the use of ouster clauses on the basis that this would be damaging to the accountability of government and the rule of law. Now, we don't consider that it's appropriate in a constitution that relies on checks and balances between the different limbs to rely on either political accountability in place of legal accountability or Parliament being able to prevent the government from abusing the powers entrusted to it. The consultation raised the possibility of further procedural reforms to judicial review. Andrew, will you highlight our views on some of those proposals? Yes, one of the main procedural reforms proposed is to remove the promptness requirement, uh, as Vikram mentioned, and that would have the result that claims would have to be brought in, in cases generally within three months. 
Uh, we agree with that proposal on the basis that the benefits of the promptness requirement are outweighed by the benefits of the certainty associated with having a three-month period. It would also allow a more consistent opportunity for meaningful engagement in pre-action correspondence in accordance with the pre-action protocol. So based on our experience, such engagement tends to be beneficial to reducing the number of claims brought. We think the court should, however, retain the power itself to extend time beyond three months in appropriate cases. Uh, the case law demonstrates that this power is exercised exceptionally and it doesn't contribute to the risk of unmeritorious claims uh, coming before the court. The consultation also sought views on the introduction of a requirement to identify organisations or wider groups that might assist in litigation. And we do, of course, already have um, an obligation in the court rules to identify interested parties, which we think is sufficient so far as a duty goes. Our experience, having acted in numerous interventions, is that the process for intervening under CPR 54.17 works well to give sufficient notice to all parties. In practice, it would be very difficult in many cases for parties proactively to identify possible interveners. The consultation also suggested increasing the time limit in the court rule for the defendant in judicial reviews to submit its detailed grounds of resistance and any evidence from 35 to 56 days. However, our view is that the current requirement of 35 days is sufficient. In the event that more time is needed, the court does have power to extend time under CPR 3.1. Vikram, what do you think will happen next? The Queen's speech last month referred to a judicial review bill being passed through Parliament. What do you think it will cover? Yes, Rich, um, nobody really knows. It's a matter of speculation as to what the bill will actually contain. The independent review concluded that there were no general problems with judicial review. The government's consultation, while on the one hand accepting the independent review report, took a different view but without stating why it differed from the conclusions of the independent review. I think it will be very interesting to see what the government has in mind. Thank you. And thank you to uh, Vikram and to Nusrath. That brings us to the end of uh, today's podcast. And thank you very much to people for listening. Um, for more information, do feel free to be in touch and keep an eye on our public law uh, notes blog. And this was Andrew Lidbetter and Nisal Zar of Herbert Smith Freehills Public Law Practice talking with Vikram Suchdeva of 39 Essex. Thank you. <laughs>